Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about how to manage staff who don't listen. I wonder if this is something that you might have experienced, which is why you're checking out this episode, because to be perfectly honest, it's one of the most common issues that are brought up when I'm doing training workshops. I work with organizations doing training in areas like conflict resolution skills or managing difficult conversations, often with groups of managers or team leaders and that kind of thing. And a lot of them talk about part of the challenge with communicating with their teams is particular individuals who don't seem to listen. And as I'll explain in the episode today, I think this probably gives us an opportunity to come at this issue from a number of different directions, both in terms of the motivation, like making the person understand the importance of paying attention or highlighting the consequences of them not listening so that they don't feel like they can continue to get away with it but also improving their ability, the kinds of coaching questions and the different approaches that we can use to empower the person if that's something that maybe is underneath the issue itself. I'll explain the five different kinds of conflict and how we can understand somebody not listening to an instruction that we've given them in this way, which again helps us to really expand the options that we have for responding. And then finally, I'll talk about a particular framework called the six sources of influence. This is where we would deal with the person directly, but also think about options for engaging others or changing the environment. And again, looking at hopefully changing the other person's behavior by means of approaching it either in terms of the person's ability and what might be needed to overcome a deficit there, or maybe it's motivation, a lack of buy-in or engagement. Maybe the person's upset about something, or maybe they just feel like they can not worry about you giving them instructions. I'll talk about some options for gradually escalating the level of assertiveness that we're using. Before we get into that topic though, just as always, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. If the episode is useful for you, I would be grateful if you would consider pressing like. And if you would like more of this kind of resource around communication skills or conflict resolution tools or different lenses or approaches that you can use depending on a particular situation that you're dealing with, please consider subscribing to the podcast. All right, let's get into that topic. When you're in a situation involving staff that don't listen, it can be incredibly frustrating. And so the first thing to keep in mind is thinking about what you need to do to prevent that frustration from bleeding into your communication. If you become angry and upset and you communicate something like frustration, what's likely to happen is that the other person will become defensive and it will create this adversarial type of dynamic where the person might feel like it's me against you And so all of a sudden their motivation for not listening, unfortunately, might inadvertently become stronger. And so that's not what you want to do to reinforce that type of defensive behavior, which means that you'll need to prevent them from perceiving a threat and a pressure where possible. So even if you're feeling angry and frustrated with your voice, really maintaining that lower volume, slower speed of speaking and lower tone, communicating in a simple and direct way, but really maintaining that air of respectfulness, of openness, like not making assumptions about what's going on behind the other person's behavior, for example. So being curious rather than jumping the gun and coming across as having made a whole bunch of assumptions. So saying to someone like, you, you told me that you hadn't, you would do this, but I see that it hasn't been done. I wanted to come and talk to you about it. What's going on? So it's, a, I guess, a neutral, open way of raising the issue first rather than coming to the person and saying something like, 
you've let me down again, I see, or something like that, where we've obviously jumped to an assumption that they've deliberately done this, whereas perhaps there's some contextual reason that they might at least think that it's a good enough excuse, even if ultimately that's not something that we essentially agree with. If this is an ongoing problem that you're dealing with staff that don't listen, I also encourage people to just consider how serious a problem this is. And if it's something that's causing significant impact on you or it's impacting on other members of the team, then I would say that this problem is serious. And so if you're dealing with a serious problem, you might need to take it seriously. So spend some time preparing, for example, or plan how to respond. Think through the words that you're going to use ahead of time rather than trying to come up with everything off the top of your head. Spend time on the intervention. If it's regular feedback and coaching, then you'll need to allocate time for that. If you decide that you need to follow up more consistently with the staff member, but then you're off sick and a whole bunch of things change and it ends up being a few weeks in between you touching base with them about the issue, then you shouldn't be surprised if the momentum has dwindled in that time. On the other hand, if it's a serious problem and you're wanting to maintain that momentum, then you might need to do some prioritization. I suppose I just want to say that at the outset, that as I talk through the different strategies and options for dealing with this kind of issue... I'm not meaning to imply that it's necessarily a quick fix, although looking at the tools that I'll talk about in a moment can be really helpful for coming up with ways of responding. What often is needed is a consistent messaging over time, which means giving feedback, holding the line, giving positive reinforcement when things are going well and they're on track and you're starting to see the kind of behaviours that you're wanting to see, like the other person's paying attention, for example, instead of asking that annoying question that makes you go back and repeat yourself in the meeting. But negative feedback when you're not getting the kind of behaviour that you're looking for, being more firm, looking for options to, I guess, reward the person or punish them as appropriate. But what we know is that a behavior that's rewarded will continue to be repeated. And so what you don't want is to set up a system where the person gets away with not listening to you. And even worse, they get rewarded for that, like you do their work for them or somebody else comes and fixes a problem that they've caused. This is going to make it very unlikely that that person's behavior will change because for them, there's literally just been a positive reinforcement. So what you would expect is that that neural pathway, at least in terms of their brain, has become that little bit more entrenched, a little bit more ingrained in terms of the habit and the associated expectations. I find Christopher Moore's model of the different types of conflict incredibly helpful when we're analysing conflict situations, whether it's workplace and work relationships that we're focusing on or family, parenting, couple relationships as well. The five different kinds of conflict that he talked about is structure, data, interest, value, and relationship. And when I'm doing training workshops, and particularly when I'm coaching groups of leaders, I often say that the relationship conflict type, what you would call relationship conflict, is the one that you'll notice first, but it's often the one that I would leave until last to deal with because it tends to be a little bit like the tip of the iceberg. You see those behaviors bubbling away on the surface. The person refuses to say hello to a colleague or you give somebody an instruction and they give you a particularly terse response or refuse to make eye contact or walk off halfway through when you're in the middle of talking to them about something. These are the kind of things that you would think of as relationship conflict. It's the patterns, it's the tension, it's the strain that's obvious in relationships. 
Often it has begun through miscommunication, maybe misreading the cues that the other person was giving them. It might have even been something not necessarily to do with the relationship itself, like you were flat out and busy with something, and so the person's come to you asking a question, but you were sort of distracted, and so you didn't pay enough attention, and you've told them to just you know, bugger off and you'll come back in five minutes or something because you're in the middle of something else that was very stressful. But that person might then think that you don't respect them or you're dismissive of the importance of the issue that they were coming to you with. And so then they end up getting a chip on their shoulder and the next time you see them, they're upset with you. Unfortunately, it often plays out like this. It's a negative reciprocal spiral pattern that tends to develop. And so the way that we often deal with that relationship type of conflict is to either talk about it and say, look, this is a pattern that I've noticed. What's your take on the situation? I don't want this to continue moving forward. What do you think's needed? Or it might be just the opposite of what's caused the problem. If you've been spending too much time with each other, like trading on each other's toes in an uncomfortable work environment all day, maybe just splitting yourselves up and spending some time apart would solve the problem in itself. The other hand, if you've got team members who never see each other, then organizing a lunch together and you know, a bit of a team bonding type of thing might be helpful to build some rapport so that then when there's an issue, you're not drawing from an empty bucket of the goodwill in the relationship, so to speak. So that's relationship conflict. But especially when we're dealing with stuff who don't listen, I think the other four often give us really important cues for options to deal with the issue. And the first one I often talk about is data. Are you sure that you've asked the person what's expected clearly? Because a lot of managers and team leaders say things in a more general and roundabout way than I think is ideal. Saying something like, you need to pull your socks up or you have to take this job seriously or come on, you need to demonstrate autonomy or you need to be a good role model for others. These generalized types of values, I guess, that we're talking about tend not to elicit the same resulting change in behavior that we're looking for. Whereas saying something like, look, when you run team meetings, can you go around the circle and make sure each person has a chance to put forward their view before you make decisions? Like I'm very specific about what I want them to do rather than saying something like, you need to run meetings that are very inclusive or something else. So be specific about what's expected. When you're dealing with staff who don't listen, what is it that you actually want them to do? Make sure that you've explained what you want them to do and reinforce that instruction about what to do. I tend to find that a real focus on behavior minimizes any ambiguity, which is helpful both just in case the other person didn't understand what you've asked them to do. But it's also an important step in escalation Because if you're going to look at an option like a formal warning or involving your manager or making a formal complaint or even a performance management process, what is going to be an essential first step is making sure that the staff member knows which behaviors are expected and what the consequences will be if if it doesn't happen. Gosh, even there you can hear I'm sort of choosing my words very carefully around all of this. If we've got a staff member who's not listening to us, we don't want to give them the message that we're critical or judgmental. Interest conflict is the next type of conflict. This would be things like maybe the person's not listening because they're too busy or they're not listening because they want to listen to music and they refuse to take their AirPods out of their ears or they're not listening because they're wanting to look at a shopping website that's distracting them, something like that. The idea of interest conflict is just, I want this and you want something else and we're not both going to be able to get 100% of what we want. And if this is the case, a lot of the time when we deal with interest conflict, it's just about naming the situation. 
I know you're in the middle of something and you'd prefer to wrap it up so that you can concentrate. At the same time, when I'm going around and making sure that people know what to expect, I don't have time to wait with each person while they finish wrapping up a task that they're in the middle of, which means that I'm going to need to interrupt you. So we clarify both sides. I know you'd prefer to just concentrate on what you're doing. And here's my side. On my end, I don't have the time available to wait until people are finished doing what they're doing before I talk to them about their tasks for the day. And then clarifying expectations. In some situations, that's just letting them know what to expect. This will mean I'm going to have to interrupt you. Apologies in advance, but that's the situation that we're in. Or it might be coaching, like what do you think would work? How are we going to figure this out? Or collaborating, have you got options of what we could consider? Or, you know, how can we make the communication between the two of us work? That kind of thing. With values conflict, it's a little bit similar in terms of the approach, but the causes are different. Value conflict might be things like maybe the staff member's just not used to listening to their boss. This is the way that they operate, that they don't care and they're kind of still in high school mode almost of the naughty teacher and we're the cool kids up the back that don't have to listen. Or it might be a value that you hold, like you expect people to take responsibility and to demonstrate autonomy and to pitch in and carry their weight. Whereas for the staff member's point of view, they might have a different value. Maybe they feel like this whole system is unfairly stacked against them and they're not getting paid enough represents their value and so they've got a chip on their shoulder from the word go. I guess when we're dealing with values conflict, we could also name the difference if we notice that it's there. Like it seems like you're wanting a level of autonomy, like you want to make decisions around the way that you do your work. I just want to be clear that there are some things that you can make your own decisions around, but in other areas of the work that we do, we need it to be consistent across the business which means that at times I'll need to give you specific instructions rather than you making decisions as you go. So we could label those values. You want autonomy, I want consistency. And so that's putting us to some extent at loggerheads here. But it might just be saying, look, regardless of what you expect, this is what the rules will be, or this is what the procedure will be, or this is what I need from you moving forward. The next possible kind of conflict is structure. This is where you would think about options for changing the way that you communicate with the person. If you're giving the team instructions in a group setting, maybe asking one or two people that aren't listening to stay back so that you can meet with them one-on-one briefly before you let them go and start their tasks for the day. Maybe it is following up a verbal communication with an email summary. Hi, I just want to um, check that we're on the same page about the conversation that we've just had. What I understand is this and this and this. Please let me know if I've got anything wrong or misunderstood that. Otherwise, this is what I'll expect unless I hear from you otherwise. So it's basically reinforcing it. And again, you might even think about options like CCing in your manager or their manager, doing the reinforcement of the messaging more frequently, maybe sending people an email at the end of the day about their instructions for the task the next day. It's all these options like changing the structure, communicating more frequently, communicating closer to the time that the behavior is expected. It might even be things like putting up poster reminders around protective equipment that staff are supposed to wear, for example, or moving where the protective equipment is kept so that it's not it doesn't take as long for staff to go and grab it before they move on to the next thing that they need to do. All of these are options for changing the structure. And if structural causes are underneath what's driving the conflict, you might find that things start to improve just as a result of taking some of these steps. So that would often be the starting point when we're dealing with a staff member who doesn't listen is thinking about those five types of conflict, structure, relationship, data, interest, and value. And using this as a tool really for brainstorming. 
I often encourage people to use a pen and paper and write it down and just think about the options for dealing with the conflict from each of those different directions. From there, as we're looking to expand our influence on the person who continues not to listen, I like a tool called the six sources of influence for, again, helping us to generate options. The idea here is that we can start to influence the other person's behavior, either looking at ability or motivation. So we've got those two different areas that would result in a change in someone's behavior. And then in terms of making the two six, there's three different layers that we can work at. One is dealing with the person directly. So first, there will be things that we can do to improve their motivation. That's typically about communication and reinforcement, reward and punishment. If the person continues to get away with not listening to us, then they're not very motivated to change. Whereas if you gradually ratchet up your level of assertiveness, what it will mean is that the person's motivation hopefully can't stay at that static state and would ideally shift towards making them want to change their behavior. So if you've told them that this is what's expected and then clarified it and then confronted them about it when they haven't followed what's expected, like said to them, I've given you this instruction, this is what's happened, what's going on, is there any reason behind this? And then escalating through to an ultimatum, if this behavior doesn't change, this is what's going to happen, then that would all be ways of thinking about the motivation and how to motivate the other person for changing their behavior. But as well as that, we can also focus on their ability. This might be things like coaching and training. It might be things like pausing and asking them to repeat instructions before moving on to the next thing. It might be developing cheat sheets with them and resources that help them to do their tasks if maybe confusion is something that's an issue. It might be buying them a notepad and teaching them how to take notes during your conversations so that they're not just keeping everything on the top of their head. You work with them to do the things that are going to improve their ability. And combined with a focus on motivation, it makes it much more likely that you're going to see a change in the person's behavior. You can also engage others. And again, I would think about this both in terms of motivation and ability. Motivation, just as an example, it might be asking your boss to come into a meeting or explaining to them that you'll be CCing them in as a way of escalating that level of assertiveness. You're wanting the staff member to realize that this isn't something that they will be able to continue to get away with. You might even ask your big boss to give them a warning or to talk to them on your behalf and find out what's going on. You could even engage other members of the team, by the way. Maybe the staff member's upset about something that's going on and they're not comfortable talking to you about it. Maybe there's a senior trusted person that you know that the person might feel more confident opening up to so that then they can, I guess, unearth some of the issues that might be sitting there for them. You can also engage others to improve the person's ability Examples of this might be things like asking team members to remind each other or asking a team leader to check that each person underneath them understands instructions at the beginning of the day. And then finally, you can look at options for changing the environment and again, focusing either on the motivation or the ability. Motivation would be things like having a formal performance management process or some type of a, I guess, KPI checklist that you can use for keeping track of what's expected and how often staff members are meeting those expectations or where there's room for development. It could be things like uh, more frequent feedback, having meetings fortnightly instead of monthly so that you can stay on top of issues to prevent their problems from building up. Perhaps there's an option for changing the environment to improve the person's motivation by making it more enjoyable or less uncomfortable. 
Adding air conditioning to an office where people are expected to sit and concentrate, for example, might mean that they're not taking as long as smoke breaks during the day because they're not wanting to be outside in the heat. You can also improve the staff member's ability using the environment as well. This could be things like cheat sheets or guides. Maybe it's things like having the preparation done early or ahead of time. It might be organising staff to work as part of a group or part of a team more frequently so that there's this interdependence where other people help each other out in areas of weakness and give each other feedback because obviously if my work is impacted by yours, I'm going to let you know pretty quick when you're letting me down. Whereas if we're all working in parallel and my work is not affected by yours, well, to be honest, I don't particularly care whether or not you do a good or bad job because it just doesn't affect me. If we think about the definition of team is having interdependence, then changing the environment in a way that makes people just organically and naturally work together and collaborate can be a really important way of improving the collective talent skill pool that we're working with through sharing ability, sharing techniques, uh, sharing knowledge. So these are all options for dealing with staff who aren't listening. Again, I would often start by looking at those different types of conflict and then thinking about how we can influence them. But I wonder what you found works for you. Are there particular strategies or techniques that you found that works? Perhaps part of what I've talked about today has been a positive reinforcement for you that maybe you're on the right track. And my hope is that maybe it's giving you some additional tools to add to the toolkit in your approach to communication and leadership as well. Again, as always, thank you very much for listening. I'm very grateful for everybody who checks out the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about me and the different training workshops and courses that I offer, you can check out my website. It's simongood.com. That's S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E.com. If you've got feedback about the podcast, you can shoot me an email. It's podcast at simongood.com or otherwise Spotify and Apple Podcasts and others all have options now for giving feedback and positive reviews as well. And if it's been useful for you, of course, I would be incredibly grateful for a positive review. That kind of thing is incredibly useful for the algorithm to let it know that this is a podcast that might be helpful for others. All the best managing the conflict situations that you're dealing with. And if you're dealing with a staff member who's not listening to you, my hope is that something that you do will give you a little bit of positive change in the right direction. Bye for now.